Where are we? Um, welcome again to Christ Center. My name is Pastor Jason. I'm the associate to the pastor. Uh, I was not at Azusa. Sounded like it was a good time. I stayed here. And uh, I didn't have to be out in the rain, so that was nice. But I only heard amazing things. You guys, I, we had other people. Who else went here? I know there were several others that went. All right. Yeah, Whitney went, Jess went, uh, several others. Very cool. I kept seeing all these Facebook updates from people I've been in YWAM with that are all over the world that are all at Azusa, and they're all trying to connect and figure out who's there. So it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, this morning, we are, uh, we've only got uh, two more uh, uh, messages on preaching through the Bible here, and uh, t- today we're going to talk about Paul again. So last week, we, did, uh, we talked about Paul early on, and, and this is uh, uh, um, his, his final days here. Um, so we're going to jump right in. Last week, we talked about Paul, particularly the story of him being in Philippi. Wait, you know what? We need to pray, because I have way too much caffeine coursing through my veins right now. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've already done. And Lord, we ask now that you would speak to us, that you would inspire us afresh to live how you've called us to live. Help us to receive. Lord, help me to speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, one of the things Paul wrote to the people in Philippi after being... Um, being arrested and flogged and all those things and uh, that, that incredible story of him planting that church and, and developing a deep affection for them. When he wrote the letter to them years later, he, he said this. He said, um, our citizenship is in heaven. And uh, people used to, I used to hear people say that um, and, and in sort of the, the context of like, because that's where I'm going when I die kind of thing, but that's not what he meant. He wasn't referring to where he's going when he's gonna die, he was actually saying, look, my citizenship is not here, it's not rooted in this culture. I have a whole different value system. Uh, I have, uh, it's sort of like saying, look, the things we value come from somewhere else. We are foreigners here. We are merely travelers. This isn't our home, so sometimes we'll look strange, sometimes we'll look goofy, sometimes we'll look backwards. Sometimes people will hate us, but you know, that's okay. That's just, sort of the cost of of being an exile. We are, as C.S. Lewis said, behind enemy lines. This makes me think of the Old Testament story of Daniel. You remember when Daniel and his three friends were actually taken away from their home. Uh, No family members, you know, their parents are gone, their authority figures are gone, they're taken away from all the uh, uh, their entire culture and, and, and the people of God and the Torah and the temple and all these things, all those were pretty much wiped out. They were taken to a completely foreign and very, very pagan land. And uh, while they were there, they, there was no way for them to be sheltered from the pagan culture. They, they couldn't be protected. Uh, and it, they had to, it was, sort of, it was sort of like it was on them. They ha- if they wanted to remember their identity, their heritage as Jews, if they wanted to remember who God was, it was on them. They had to do something because this wasn't their home. Their home was way over there, a long ways away. So here they were. They had to create that culture and do things so that they wouldn't forget who they really were. And they did that actually through dietary, following the Jewish dietary laws and things like that, and continuing to pray on a regular basis uh, uh, every day 
Um, and, uh, and that's how they did it. But I think we are in a similar place here. You see, here we are in Western culture. That's you, surrounded by green. And there's men and women there, but sometimes women wear pants. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the fact that I didn't want to Google another stick figure that had a skirt. I just, nothing to do with that whatsoever. So here we are in Western culture. We find ourselves living in a culture that's not really our own. You see, there's our homeland. It's a much bigger homeland. We're in the world, but not of the world. We have a different home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do you see that? So, back to Paul. This was a prominent issue in the story of Paul in Ephesus. This happened in Acts chapter 19. Um, this is a, a, a huge city, a port city, a powerful city with a pagan culture. And Paul really wanted to go there on his, uh, on his uh, second missionary journey, but he wasn't allowed. I think, that, I think he wanted to get to that city right there. I think that was sort of like, you know, that, was, that was his you know, Super Bowl. Let's just go to Ephesus. And, uh, and finally he's allowed to in Acts chapter 19. He goes there. I think he was just licking his chops. I want a church right there at the heart of everything. Ephesus was a port city. Uh, it was very wealthy. It was very diverse. It was very pagan. It was very artistic. It was the place to be. And uh, so he, 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 he goes and he finds a group of believers. The Holy Spirit falls on them. And they begin to take out the... the to, you know, to, to be the church outside the four walls, all those like classic cliches, right? Well, this is what Paul was doing right away. He gets this group of believers and he starts to disciple them and then they start to go out all over the place and tell people about Jesus. And as they do, I'm telling you, crazy stuff started happening. I love this phrase when they say the spirit of God was triumphing mightily. Isn't that a good phrase? The spirit of God was triumphing mightily. Now, it was all, I'll tell you, some weird stuff was happening in Acts chapter 19. You read this, I mean, if, if this kind of stuff happened today, you'd have a whole bunch of, you know, stodgy fundamentalists having their cessationist conference and conferences and being like, you know, all this stuff is out of bounds. Well, weird stuff, like Paul was sending people handkerchiefs and people were getting healed if they touched the handkerchief. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. The Spirit of God was breaking out of the box and doing stuff, well, it just sort of like happened at Azusa, actually. And in the process, demons were getting cast out left and right. People were coming and turning in uh, all their, their like, uh, uh, you know, pagan literature and all these, like, books of spells, because witchcraft was a really big deal there. And they're burning this stuff, and they're coming to Jesus. And it, it, it well, it really turned things upside down and kind of made a mess. So... Here was the thing that the city was known for more than anything. This is the temple of Artemis, or Diana, because the Romans copied everything the Greeks did and gave it to goddesses and gods new names. It's kind of funny. But this is the temple of Artemis. Now, this is one of the wonders of the ancient world. This thing, it was now, it's on the harbor. So if you're a sailor and you're coming in, that's what you see. And, you know, as one historian described it, it's like it was floating above the clouds, you know. And uh, so, so they say it was probably 450 feet long by 225 feet wide. The pillars were 60 feet tall, just white, shining, 
beautiful. So again, take the sailor here because this is a port city and a major center of commerce. If you're a sailor, you love that site because it's beautiful. But here's the other thing it would do is it would make you, well, this had a different kind of attraction for people in this room. This was a very seductive world, a very sensual world. And the Temple of Artemis was at the center of that. Artemis was a fertility goddess. And uh, the worship of Artemis almost always involved sexual uh, uh, temple prostitution. So temple prostitutes would have been all throughout this, this place. Um, so that is where Paul goes and the, the gospel is so successful in this region, even despite that temple being the stronghold of the city. It's so successful that it starts affecting the economy. Because, see, there's all these, these, these uh, uh, souvenir makers, these trinket makers that are going out of business. They're going out of business. They sell these little trinkets of, of, of the goddess Artemis. It's like grotesque statue. <laughs> And they sell all these, you know, it's like, I went to Ephesus and all I got was this lousy, lousy trinket. You know, they sell those everywhere. So people coming through, they all buy these. But after a while, things are going so well that everyone's like, I don't want your stupid trinket. I found Jesus instead. That's happening to the extent that people are going out of business. So the silversmiths, you know, get all like, this is so wrong. Look what he's doing to our economy. And they, they whip up the crowd and there's a full-fledged riot to get Paul out of the city. Paul wanted to go out and speak to the people. I think that's one of the funniest people. Just let me out and be like, don't you dare! You stay inside! And he ends up having to leave the city. Now, if there's a way, if there's a good way to have to leave a city, that's it right there. The message you preached he preached caused such, it's not even a revival. I, was, I want to say revival in Ephesus, but it wasn't because it wasn't a revival. It was just a vival because they had never seen life there before. So the, the vival in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. So there's the story, right? There's the story. He has to leave because of all of this. And um, as a result, um, now, he's got this, this church, a vibrant church, but that culture's still there. So, years later, he uh, is in prison. There he is. There's his hand. <laughs> and he writes a letter to this church that he has helped to plant. Actually, he wrote three letters. He also wrote two to Timothy, and Timothy was the pastor in that city. So, th basically, three letters he sent to the church in Ephesus. Um, now, much of what he addressed had to do with that powerful, seductive culture. How can you remain pure in that kind of environment? How can you possibly hold on to your identity as someone who's been reborn in the kingdom while you live in Ephesus? Maybe that's easier if you're in, say, you know, I don't know, in Philippi, maybe it's a whole lot easier. Ephesus, that's different. That's different. So, I want to look at what he says here, all right? I'm going to take a couple of passages from the book of Ephesians to look at this quandary. Paul says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, 
Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He calls on them to remember what they have become. Remember you used to live according to. That means in agreement with. You used to live in agreement with the culture and the world that's around you, in agreement with the spirit that dominates that culture and the world around you. In other words, you used to be a product of your culture. Whatever you heard, what, what, whatever the voices on the outside were saying, you're like, yeah, that sounds good to me. You were a product of that thing. Not anymore. You were dead. Now you're alive. This is a different situation. So you people living in Ephesus who continually are bombarded with sensuality and, and greed and occultism and all these things. Yeah, you used to be a product of that, but remember now Jesus has come. Remember he's made you new, so don't walk that way anymore. You see, it's more than just a moral encouragement of don't do bad stuff. It's just like Daniel in Babylon. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Do you see the difference in that? Remember the family. And I love what he says at the bottom. You are citizens with the saints. You are a part of God's household. You are a part of God's household. So he goes and he lays out some contrasts here. Okay, look at this. This is cool. He's comparing the values of the world around them with the values of our new native country, if you will. Our new native country. So here he, he, he lays this out. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to one another with, uh, uh, excuse me, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're all members of one another. In other words, okay, your culture values falsehood. So put that aside and instead, instead speak truth because that's a value from your home country. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger nor give the devil an opportunity. The culture doesn't usually have a problem with wrath and screaming and all these things. And what he says is, listen, don't go there. It's possible to be angry and still seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Don't act in that. The culture values that. It values, well, I'm so mad. You know, last year, 2015, they called that the year of outrage. You guys who are on social media probably saw just a little bit of outrage. There's nothing you'd say anymore without people feeling outraged. It is just part of the culture. We all feel the right to be mad. Well, how dare you? When you said that thing, that didn't make me feel safe or something. And I'm mad. And he says, look, anger. Okay. Flying off the handle is not a kingdom value. Instead, seek reconciliation. It's possible to be upset and still not sin. Some things ought to upset us. But holding on to that and throwing that at another person is not part of our native culture. 
Here's another one. He who steals must steal no longer. Well, we could just stop right there, first of all. <laughs> he who steals must steal no longer. See, okay, stealing, that's a part of the world around you, and it's not part of kingdom culture. Okay? So, but instead of stealing, I love this. Look at this. Rather, he might, the person who steals must labor, start working hard, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one, with one uh, who has need. Do you see? Look at that turnaround. What a beautiful turnaround. Instead of stealing, let me tell you what's really good, giving. It's not just don't steal. It's instead of stealing, here's a kingdom value, work hard so that you can give to those who have greater need. What a cool thing. We have a pretty cool culture, don't we? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, because that's part of the culture we're in. But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the needs of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who have fear. And again, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Our kingdom values have to do with dealing, uh, uh, um, well, dealing in kindness and love and trying to build one another up. And those last two especially have to deal a lot with the tongue. And I resemble these things because let me tell you, I'm kind of glad you guys didn't know me when I was in high school. My wife, especially, I'm really, really glad I didn't meet my wife until after high school because there's no way she would have married me. I, I was Mr. Sarcasm. Shocking. Shocking. Okay, well, I know I play a little bit now, but this was, like, this was my identity. I'm like, That was me. See, you want to smack me right now, but I'm just acting right now. Now, here's what I thought. Well, I had, okay, there were a couple of girls in my class that hated me. <laughs> I didn't like them very much either. And I went to a Christian school, and I was, well, you know, the, all the teachers thought I was the good kid. And, and, okay, I didn't get into, like, major rebellion, but here's where I was the bad kid. I thought I was better than everybody. And so I would... I, I really, the, the couple, these two girls that hated me, they, they thought they had all kinds of misgivings about Christianity and all these things. And here we are in a Christian school, like learning all this like next level stuff about logic and faith and kingdom and all these things. And that we th I thought was next level. Um, and so I would often get in big arguments with them. Like, uh, uh, you know, okay, I just thought of this one now. Can I actually give this example? This is so stupid. Oh, my goodness. Okay. One of the girls is a big fan. This is the 90s. She's a big fan of Nirvana. Okay? Nirvana from Seattle, right? So the, the grunge band with Kurt Cobain, and he ended up committing suicide. Well, here, this girl was, she's one of these tragic romantic types who's just like, oh, my heart. Oh, with Kurt Cobain. You know, it was like, so she was, you know, still very sad about this for several years. And so we knew she was sad about it, so we would, like, bring stuff up. And some people would just, like, I was, you know, make fun of her. I took a different route. I took the route by assuring her that Kurt Cobain was not in heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was like, hey, man, I'm just giving her truth, and that's what she needs. No, no, she didn't. She didn't. See, 
Here's, here's what I had to come to terms with, especially when I met my wife and realized she didn't like to play those games at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I a jerk? I didn't think I was a jerk, but now I think I might be. I thought that I could incorporate this vision of myself. Well, who am I? Well, I'm the sarcastic one. And I just tell you like it, I just tell it like it is. I thought that because I was saying stuff that I even thought was good, even it it wasn't even, but I thought it was, that I was telling the truth, that somehow that was going to work in the kingdom. I didn't realize the kingdom doesn't value that kind of sarcasm. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not a kingdom value. That was quiet. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not talking about friendly needling of one another and things like that. We can all be playful with one another. But biting sarcasm is not a kingdom value. So if you value that, well, we need to reevaluate that, don't we? Because that's not something our native culture enjoys. That's not something our, that's not something the king in our native kingdom would do or promote. Are you are you with me? So, here we are. Be renewed then in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, uh, uh, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. See, our value, our, our, our culture really does value snark more than just about anything. Snark and sarcasm, who can be the wittiest and like, ah, ooh, got you there, burnt. <laughs> that is not a kingdom thing, but that's, that's, well, that's a Western culture, America, Twitter thing, isn't it? And so you can do those and be super savvy and be all proud of yourself. I don't think the saints are looking up and going, hey, high five, see what he did? Yeah. No, they're not. Going, what is that? That's not an accent from your home. It's an accent of where you live. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Do you see what I'm saying? You guys, if we, here's what, he says it this way in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because this isn't your home. So you can be conformed just by staying right where you're at and letting it all wash over you constantly, and you can pick up on all the things this world loves. And you'll just become like that. But see, he calls us to something different. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a continuous verb. Be continually transformed. It's not just like when you meet Jesus, then whoop, all your transforming is done. And especially in a place like this where we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so we're like, yeah, we just, those things are just going to happen. And sometimes the attitude becomes, well, be transformed by the removal of your mind. But that's not what he says. He says, renew, renew. In other words, feed it good stuff. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you will stay and you will follow and you will become jaded jerks with your sarcasm unless you're transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's one example. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, God, okay. So it's, again, the same problem Daniel had. So once again, here we are in our Western culture. In our Western culture, we have teachers. We have influences that are coming all over the place. It's not Nebuchadnezzar and the, you know, priests of Babylon. We have our own voices of our kingdom. Here they are. Okay, 
I'm not saying, I'm not calling any of these people out, but these are the teachers of our kingdom, aren't they? There's a whole lot more than that, but these are some of the most prominent voices in the kingdom where we live, in Western culture, Western American Christianity, or not Christianity. Well, actually, many people it is, and that's part of the problem, my point. See, I've had too much coffee. All right. Here you go. All of these people have something to say, and they're upholding certain values. I'm not saying we shut them out. I'm not saying we run and hide into a Christian ghetto and all we watch is Kirk Cameron movies. That's not what I'm saying. I promise you that's not what I'm saying. I promise you that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we are already hearing things from the culture. It's, it's inevitable. Running and hiding doesn't work, and that's not what Jesus did anyway. Jesus didn't hide from the culture. He entered into it, and he brought life into it. What I'm saying is you can't bring life into it unless you are feeding yourselves on life. How can you transform the world around you if your mind is just like the world around you? Be transformed by the renewal, not the removal of your minds. So, there we go. You see that? We have a different culture. So, my question is this. How is your mind? How's your mind doing? Are you renewing your mind? Are you pursuing, are you pursuing voices that are kingdom voices? Now, I'm not saying go and shut yourself in a room and never watch Netflix again. That's not what I'm saying. Although some of, some of you probably should cut down. I don't know. It's between you and God. But how much binging is too much binging? It's really a serious question. But this, there's a lot of us who, 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 who consume the culture but aren't looking for kingdom culture stuff. So there are some wonderful places to feed off good things. For example, there's these things. I don't know if you've seen them. There, uh, there's a whole bunch of papers that are together, and they're like bound in one side, and you open up, and there's words. What are those called? Yes, yes, books, right. So, <laughs> I'm not aiming this at my daughters, I promise. No. Um, look, you guys, there's some beautiful uh, stuff out there. What, is it the thing, what, what are the things that light you up inside about the kingdom? See, they're going to be different for different people. Some of you guys might be like, you know what I love? I love to get a Bill Johnson book and dive in and when he, when he tells these truth about the kingdom and when he tells these stories of these incredible healings, I go I, and, and I hear and I'm inspired. Good. Eat there. Some of you guys are different. Some of you are, are, are looking and go, you know what? I, I want to understand the deeper things uh, uh, or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, the deeper things of scripture, I want to go into like Dallas Willard and understand and like get into some of the, the Greek and Hebrew meanings of some of this stuff, good, feast on Dallas Willard, please, some of you guys want to understand how does this hit the, how does the rubber meet the road in this kind of like daily living as far as the stories of daily life, feast on some C.S. Lewis, baby, it's good, it's good, so there's other stuff out there too, right, there's podcasts, there's wonderful, pre- if you're like me, subscribe to Tim Keller and Ravi Zacharias. 
wonderful, wonderful men of God out there. Where, where, where your heart drifts in the kingdom, go there. Follow those leadings, but go there. Because if, you, if your mind can't marinate on the things of God, then it will marinate on some other things. What I'm saying is you need those things. You need people talking about the kingdom. You need your mind to be drifting there. And it might be in different places because he's designed us in different ways. But go there. Go there. Feast on these things. But even more than that, even more than that, feast on the word of God. We become what we behold. So what are you beholding? Let's feast on the word of God. You know what I was inspired by this week? I was inspired by the simple, powerful words of the Apostle Paul. Simple, powerful words of Scripture. And sometimes we can convolute things so much, we think, how in the world do we even live in this kingdom? And we can, we can get all philosophical. I don't know the way that you do it. I get all philosophical and, and go like too far in my thinking of like, Whoa, and everything gets all like blurry. And then I come back to the Apostle Paul. And I come back to what Jesus said. I come back to the beauty of Scripture. And, and, and when I stop and I eat, there's a cleansing that takes place. And you know what? It, you know what? it tastes like home. It tastes like home. We're in a world today that is so busy with so many other things that we forget about our staple, and that's Scripture. We've got to go back there, guys. We've got to go back there. We've got to dwell there. You guys who are young and maybe never spent much time there, I, I, I urge you by the mercies of God to eat from Scripture. Eat. There's life there, guys. There's purity there. There's goodness there. There's all sorts of, of wonderful treasures. I think it's fun that, that this particular uh, um, word comes on a day when we see miracles happening. Because many churches wonder, they, they sort of get caught between this. Are we going to be a thinking church or are we going to be an activated church in the Holy Spirit? And that's a stupid false dichotomy. The Apostle Paul preached, he loved the word of God. He wrote some of the word of God and miracles came forth from his hands. I want our church to be the type of church that loves the scriptures and sees wonders take place also. Jesus said one day we would worship in both spirit and truth. He didn't say or, spirit and truth. And I want to see those two things come together, don't you? So let's refresh ourselves with the words of the kingdom and then walk out with the power of the Spirit. Can you guys do that? All right, let's stand up. Lord, we thank you for all you've done this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would uh, uh, direct us into how we should eat. And Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities just like Joshua had. And even if we whiff the first time like he confessed that he did, 
that you would give us the boldness to swing again. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Prayer servant team is going to be here. If you need prayer for anything, in the meantime, be blessed.